We are in a series called Breakthrough where we're taking a look at some miracles in the Bible that, that just give us hope. And today we're going to take a look at a fishing miracle. Now I have a son who is truly a real fisherman. I mean, he fishes all the time. He's training his son in fishing. So you can imagine, over the years, I've heard some pretty good fishing stories. You know that when a fishing story is told over and over again, it gets bigger and it gets better. Today, we're going to take a look at one of the greatest fishing stories of all times. And in this story, there are some lessons for us as we continue down this road of this pandemic, moving from maybe a winter blizzard, maybe into an ice storm. So if you're getting weary or tired or fatigued by this pandemic, as it stretches out from a week to, to months, maybe to years, you've chosen the right weekend to be at church. This fishing story is out of Luke chapter 5, and it is unmatched by all fishing stories. This fishing story is Jesus' second miracle. We all know what his first one was. It's pretty popular, turning water into wine, and many of you like that miracle, okay? But in this miracle, he calls his first disciples, four of them. Let me give you just a little bit of background on this. These four guys were fishermen. Peter and Andrew were brothers. James and John were brothers. They were in a fishing partnership together on the Sea of Galilee, or sometimes referred to as the Lake of Genesaret, or the Sea of Tiberias. It's the same body of water, just with three different names in northern Israel. At this point in the story, Peter, James, John, and Andrew are not disciples. They are professional fishermen, and they have been out all night fishing hard, but they have caught nothing. The sea or the lake is in a pandemic. They've been working 10 hours, and they come back to clean their nets. Jesus comes along, and he's talking to a crowd, and he asked these guys, can I borrow your boat as a platform? This is where we pick up the story. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw, the, the, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that is Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now you understand what is going on in Jesus' ministry right now. He is early in his ministry and he's already drawing large crowds of people. He is a master teacher. And not only that, he is known as a master miracle worker. And so he gets in this boat to teach. And he does so because Jesus, being the master communicator, knows the surrounding and he understands that water will amplify his voice so he can speak to this large crowd. But he also gets into this boat because he's about ready to choose four of his first disciples. 
And he knows that he's going to do a miracle that they can understand. The story continues in verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Have you ever felt that way? During this pandemic, have you ever felt down to be do down down? Have you ever felt discouraged? Have you ever felt like everything that you have put your heart, soul, and mind into, you don't get anything for it? Folks, you can hear the discouragement in their voices. Sometimes this happens in life. Sometimes you give your level best and you come up short and you get discouraged. Sometimes you work all night and you have nothing to show for it. You get discouraged. Sometimes you do what you think is best. You think it's the right thing to do. You even feel like God has led you in doing it. And it doesn't pan out. And you get discouraged. Sometimes you are hanging in there in your marriage. You're struggling. But you're reading books and you're going to counseling. And folks, it doesn't get any better. And it's discouraging. Sometimes you study for an exam, maybe a calculus exam, maybe a bar exam, maybe a, a realtor's exam, and you fail it. Folks, sometimes these happen, and they leave us feeling empty on the inside. Sometimes you work at a job. You have been a faithful employee. You have been responsible. You have been diligent. You have done a great job. But then a pandemic comes in. And because you were the last one in, you are the first one out, and you have caught nothing. Now, the fact is that this miracle has a lot to teach us. Because, folks, we're all fishing for something. Every one of us here. You're fishing for something, and I'm fishing for something. Some people are fishing for approval, they want to be loved. And there's nothing wrong with that. Understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people are looking to be treated with respect, with dignity, to be cared for. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people are fishing for security. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people are fishing for significance. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people now are fishing for a job or additional income. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody is fishing for something. But what this miracle teaches us is what we are to do when we feel discouraged. When we come up empty. When we don't see any results for all that we're doing. This is an important miracle. When these four disciples or I should say, when these four disciples did what Jesus told them to do, folks, they not only got in on a miracle, but they were blessed beyond measure. They had so much to share, and, they, and it changed their lives. And so Jesus uses their boats as a platform to preach the good news. Let's look at the rest of the story of what happens here. When he, that is Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partner in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Folks, this is a fishing story. It is a flat-out miracle. This is a miracle of acceleration. They caught more in 10 minutes than they did in the 10 hours that they were on that lake. When you and I understand this miracle, the miracle of acceleration, you're not going to worry about timing. You're not going to worry about how long this pandemic is going to stretch out because it really doesn't matter. Because when God gets involved, folks, he can take 10 hours, 10 years, he can do all of that of what would it cause us take up that much time, he can do in 10 minutes. In other words, he can turn on the faucet like that. That is, if you will do what Jesus tells you to do. You see, what made the difference between these disciples working all night long and coming up empty-handed versus having so much blessing in their life that it was causing them to sink? What makes the difference between emptiness, discouragement, and fullness, joy? The disciples took four steps of faith. And you and I need to learn these four steps of faith if we are going to make it through tough times. So let's jump in and let's kind of understand this story and this miracle. Understand these four steps. The first thing that Peter, James, John, and Andrew did was this, is that they gave Jesus complete access to their life. They gave Jesus complete access to every area of their life. If you want to move from emptiness to fullness, you got to give Jesus access to every area of your life. Notice what they did here in verse 3, Luke 5. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Here's the point, and this is really simple. you got to get Jesus in to your boat if you want to move from emptiness to fullness. Again, notice that they had worked hard all night, 10 hours, but in 10 minutes, they can't handle the catch. What is the deal? It's the same boat. It's the same lake. It's the same net. It's the same fisherman. It's the same fishing partner. It's the same fish. What's the difference? The only difference is that Jesus is in the boat. Now God is with them. Now they are not fishing alone. Now they are not doing, in this case, their business by themselves. The master is in control. 
Now, there are a lot of ways that you and I can apply this story, this miracle that is happening here. Folks, you can apply it to this pandemic that we're in that is being stretched out. You can apply it to your marriage as you are in this pandemic. You can apply this to your, your family as you're in this pandemic. You can apply this to your finances that, that, that you're struggling with during this pandemic. Folks, there's a lot of ways that you and I can apply this. And so you have to first ask yourself this question, what's my boat. Your boat is what is supporting you. In this case, it was Peter and Andrew and James and John's business. And what do they do? They give Jesus access to their boat. And their boat represented their career, their vocation, their profession, their job, their livelihood. It's, it represented their support. And so what is your boat? What are you relying upon for support mentally, financially, vocationally, relationally during this season? What does it mean to have Jesus in your boat? It just means that you dedicate that area of your life to God. And in saying that, I am not talking about salvation. For a lot of you, if not maybe for all of you, I don't know, but for a lot of you, you have Jesus in your life, but you don't have him in this area of your life. You trust him on Sunday, but folks, you're not trusting him Monday through Saturday. Jesus is nowhere to be found in that area. And he certainly isn't allowed to use that area of your life. We'll call it your boat as a platform for ministry. To give Jesus your boat, this area, means you've got to come and you've got to say to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to use this area of my life as a platform. I want you to use this. In fact, I'm dedicating this to you to use as you see it. When Peter did this, folks, he gets blessed beyond measure. But don't miss the sequence. You see, in life, we normally think this. God, if you'll just help me be successful in this area, then I'll serve you. And God comes along and says, no, 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 no. That isn't how it works. It's the exact opposite. You start serving me now, and then I'll make you successful in that area. You see, whatever you want God to bless, you've got to put him first in. And this falls right in line with Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added unto you. You gotta get Jesus in your boat because whatever you want God to bless, you gotta put him first in. If you want God to bless your marriage during this pandemic time, guess what? You gotta put him first in your marriage. 
If you want God to bless your family, you gotta put him first in your family. If you want God to bless your finances, you gotta put him first in your finances. If you want God to bless your time, folks, you gotta put him first in your time. And so you get Jesus in this area and you say to him, Lord, use this area as a platform to spread the gospel. Right now, God, I want you to know I'm gonna become a missionary for you, disguised as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife. I'm gonna dis- I'll be disguised maybe as a realtor, as a doctor, or as a, or a computer geek. God, I, I, I'm dedicating this area and my life to you to be used by you. And guess what? If you do that, God will bless. My question to you is this. Have you committed your boat whatever that boat is, to Jesus. Some of you are going through a rough time right now, and you are trying to change everything. Folks, understand in this story, these disciples or these fishermen didn't change a thing. They didn't change the net. They didn't change their marriages. They didn't change their partnership. They didn't change the lake. They didn't change the location. They just got Jesus in charge of their boat. Some of you are trying to change everything. Maybe you just need Jesus in charge of your boat. The second step that these these fishermen took that you and I need to take is this. I need to admit that my efforts aren't working. Take a look at Luke 5, verses 4 and 5. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out into deep water. And let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Do you realize how hard that was for Simon Peter to say that? He's a pro. He is a professional fisherman. He's no amateur. He's no weekend angler. No, he is a professional. This is humbling for him to say, you know what? I'm just not cutting the mustard. The truth of the matter is these guys were giving it their their best shot. They were giving it all they had. But it wasn't enough. And sometimes you can give all that you've got and it's not enough because things are out of your control. You and I cannot control this pandemic and how long it will last. You cannot control the economy. You cannot control the weather. You cannot control the aging process. Oh, how I know that one. And you and I can't control other people. Truly, most of the major things in life, you and I cannot control. So what do you do? You get Jesus in your boat. And then secondly, you admit that the situation is out of your control. Now, do you know what that is? That's called confession. It's saying, God, you're right and I'm wrong. God, I'm out of control, but you are in control. Now, why don't we like to do this? Well, real quickly, there's three reasons. One, pride, stubbornness, and fear. Pride. 
I want to do what I want to do. I'm in charge. I am in control. If it's going to be, guess what? It's up to me, even if it kills me. The other one is just stubbornness. I'm not going to change the way I do things. I've been doing these things a long time, and I'm not going to change the way I do these things. Folks, the greatest enemy of tomorrow's success is yesterday's success and today's success. That is what could be called traditionalism. Traditionalism is a form of stubbornness, and it can happen to any leader. It can happen to any Christian. Moses had a water problem in his life, okay, as he was leading God's people. And God says, I want you to strike the rock, and water will flow out of it. And so he struck it, and sure enough, water flows out. A little later down the road in their journey, he had another water problem. And this time, God says, I want you to speak to the rock. And Moses said, no, 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 I've never done it that way before. I am the famous rock striker, and he struck the rock instead of speaking to it, and he failed. You've got to learn to change your ways. And the third one is just outright fear. You know what? If I put Jesus in charge of my boat, he might navigate it in such a way that it makes me look like a fanatic. Regardless of the cause of emptiness that you're feeling, the second step is to admit, God, I'm not in control here, and it's not working. The third step that we see these business guys took And if you want to move from emptiness to fullness, is that you must obey whatever Jesus tells you to do. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it's illogical. Even if it seems foolish. Even if it appears stupid for whatever reason. Or if it doesn't make sense financially. I must obey whatever Jesus tells me to do. Take a look at this in the story in verse 5. Luke 5, verse 5. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Will you circle the phrase, because you say so? This is a key to a miracle. Not because I think it's logical, not because I think it's the smart thing to do, not because I think, you know, I can afford this. No, I'm going to do this because you say so. Now think about this story. Jesus is in the boat, and now while he is in the boat, he is beginning to give instructions. And what is Peter's response here? Well, he doesn't argue with Jesus. Excuse me, Jesus. Hello? Just a moment. You are a fisherman. I am a carpenter. You know about uh, wood, or take that back. Jesus, you, you are a carpenter. I am a fisherman. You know about wood. I know about fish. Okay, I know how to do this. He doesn't argue with them. He doesn't hesitate. Jesus says, launch. And he doesn't say, oh, just a minute. Let's form a committee about this idea and spend $40 million on whether this is a good idea or not. No, he doesn't form a committee and vote upon it. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't rely on his feelings. Jesus, don't you understand? I am so tired. I've been out 10 hours, okay? Folks, he doesn't do any of these things. He just says, 
because you say so. Unquestionable obedience. Now, if you become a because you say so person, God will bless your life. If you will come to God and say, God, I'm going to admit, I don't think this makes sense. I don't understand. It's not logical to me. But because you say so, I will. And he will bless your life. So the question is this. During this season that we're in, what has God told you to do that you're not doing? For some of you, God has given you some instructions about your job, but you haven't done it yet. Why in the world would God give you step two, step three, step four of your life when you haven't taken step one? For some of you, God has told you to start giving on a regular basis to your church, and you haven't done that yet. Why should God give you step two, step three, step four when you haven't taken step one? For some of you, God has told you to forgive and quit holding a grudge with the significant others that are in your life as you've been in this pandemic. Why should God give you step two, step three, and step four when you haven't taken step one? For some of you, God has told you, you know what? You really need to be sharing your story about Jesus with other people at your workplace. But you haven't done that yet. Perfect time. People are open. Why should God give you step two, step three, and step four when you haven't taken step one yet? I don't know what God has told you. My guess is God has told you something to do. I can tell you this. Disobedience hurts you. It never hurts God. On the other hand, if you become a because you say so person, God will speak a vision into your life. And that vision will not come all at once. It will come in phases, just like it did with Peter. The vision that God had for Peter in regards to his boat, his support, his business, came in three phases. First, the when, then the what, and then the where. First, the when. Launch now. Have you discovered that timing is everything? (laughs) The difference between a 300 batting average and a 100 batting average is timing. And then the what? Let down your nets. And then the where? In deep water. You see, God wants you to go deeper. Most people live their lives in the shallow end of the pool. They live baby Christianity, just enough to bless them and not enough to bug them. They live superficial lives. They paddle around in the shallow end of the pool with their rubber floaty around them, afraid to getting in to water over their head. Why? Because they want to play it safe and they don't want to take any risks. Let me let you in on a little secret. One of the reasons that I really believe that God has allowed this pandemic is to get the church to go into deeper water. He is forcing 
us to go deeper with him. He is wanting you to go deeper in your faith with him. I mean to dive into the deep pool head first. He is wanting you to go deeper in your marriages where you are really connecting, where there is true intimacy. And I'm not just talking physical here. He is wanting you to go deeper with your kids where you begin to understand that you are the disciple makers, that God is giving you the opportunity to reach and shape the next generation. God is wanting the church to go deeper. I just think back 32 years ago when we founded LifePoint Church. It was in the middle of a recession, and it didn't make any sense. But God said, George, I want to take you deeper. And I said, because you say so, I will. Now here's the fourth thing, is that you've got to expect Jesus to turn things around. Peter's got to be filled with anticipation because he has got God in his boat. The presence of God is with him. The plan of God is in his mind, and the promise of God is in his heart. He is filled full of faith. And why not? 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, the one who calls you, we're talking about God, we're talking about Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. Folks, God doesn't lie. God doesn't make mistakes. Now follow me with this. If God can control the forces of nature, if he can say, little fish over here, big fish over there, over here, launch now. If God can control the forces of nature to bring about a catch that they caught, surely God can take care of of whatever you are fishing for. For approval, for love, for security, for significance, for a job, for better finances. Folks, he can do it. Take a look at verse six and seven of Luke five. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the other partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I think about LifePoint. 32 years ago, this church was planted in a recession. It wasn't a pandemic, but it was a recession. And the longing of my heart at that time was to plant a church where I would be with my family in the community for a long, long, long time. And when I came here, the question was this, how long are you going to be here? Are you going to be here maybe two or three years, get this church planted and out of here? Or do you plan to be here a long time? And I said, you know what, if you'll have me, I'll give my whole life to this church and this community. I came here initially to plant a church and God gave me a spiritual family where over 32 years we have 
journeyed together deeply. God is looking for people who he can bless. God is not a stingy God. And if you will make yourself blessable, he will bless your socks off of you because he wants to show to the world that he is a good God. Now notice Peter's reaction here. And remember, he's not a disciple yet, okay? He is a business guy, an average business Joe, okay? In verse 8 and 9, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, and, and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. This is a turning point in these men's lives. And notice what the turning point was. In verse 10 and 11, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Several weeks ago I made mention of the fact that within every miracle there is a message. And the message of this miracle is simply this. That it's not about money. It is about men. It is not about possessions. It is about the purposes of God. It is not about fish. It is about the future of God's kingdom. God wants to use this season that we're in, this pandemic that we're in, to help teach you and I how to reach people for Jesus Christ. Jesus used their emptiness, their discouragement uh, in that period of time to enlist these four guys into his cause. And he is saying to us, let me show you what I can do in your boat. Whatever that boat means to you, let me show you what I can do. Just make me number one in it. And you will see miracles. Now what do these guys do when they bring in a haul that probably would have lasted them, I don't know, five years or more? Folks, they left the blessings to follow the blesser. Far too often, we're just looking for the blessings. My question to you, as we read and study this miracle, is are you ready? Are you ready to follow the blesser? It's your choice. Let's pray. Right now, I don't know what boat you're really concerned about. But I know that Jesus can make the difference if you just invite him into your boat and you take these steps. And will you do that this morning? Maybe you've given your life to Christ already, but you're struggling in your finances because you've been the one who's been in control of them. 
Will you relinquish control? Will you step out into deep water and entrust him with it? Let him speak into that. Maybe maybe you're struggling and you're discouraged in regards to your family and the family dynamics with all the different changes that are going on in our culture in regards to schooling. Have you asked Jesus to be in that boat? Will you do that? Will you make him number one in your family and allow him to speak into this area so that you can experience fullness? Maybe this morning you haven't invited Jesus into your life at all. He's just out there somewhere. Today, will you invite him into your heart, into the center of your life? Quit making him just a thought in your mind. Establish a relationship with him. Would you do that this morning if you haven't? Just say, Jesus, right now I admit that I'm out of control. But I believe you are who you said you are, that you are God in the flesh, God's son, and that you proved it by living a perfect life, dying on the cross and resurrecting from the grave so that I can know that I can place my whole life into your hands. If you just did that, would you just let me know? By texting 94,000, new start. If you recommitted some area of your life, would you let me know? I'd love to pray with you about it. Just text new start to 94,000 and you can just let me know what area it is and I'll, I'll lift you up and I'll pray for you. We just want to be a part of your journey because we love you, we care for you and we want, we want you to experience a full life. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for these miracles that stimulate us and, and just give us hope in times when we can just be so discouraged because of things just stretching out way beyond what we ever thought that they would be. But God, you're God and we're not. And we trust you and we believe in you. And we know that you're going to work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.